Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray, and I'm here with my executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith, and we are very thankful to have you in today. Excited about bringing you another show and hopefully adding some value to your day. Uh, We want to let you know a couple of things before we get started. Number one, this show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group. Uh, We want to also let you know how to get plugged in with us. So um, the mothership of all of our information, of course, is thehousinghour.com. You can go there and listen to our past shows and share uh, shows with your friends and family. And then we're on all of the social media platforms. Um, The Housing Hour can be found at uh, facebook.com slash thehousinghour. Also, our Twitter is at thehousinghour. And you can find Mark right there on Pinterest as well. He likes to pin on Pinterest. Um, But with all seriousness, we want to know and communicate and uh, kind of interact with you. So please let us know if there's anything that you'd like to hear from us. Um, And we, we definitely like that type of exchange. So. Today, we have a great show for you lined up. We have a Tennessee filmmaker, Keith McDaniel, in studio, acclaimed uh, documentary filmmaker. Thank you, Keith, for joining us. Um, my pleasure. Absolutely. We are excited to have somebody like Keith because, you know, Keith really brings home for us, Mark, everything that this show is about. We like to tell stories. We like to give back to the community. We like to look at things from different perspectives. And that's just exactly what Keith does. Well, he does. And I didn't even realize it. He's an Oak Ridger and mm-hmm. uh, he's probably just about a mile from my office. That's right. But the great thing about it is he did that incredible mm. documentary on the Clinton 12, which Absolutely. I thought was one of the best things i've seen i thought it was a ken burns film at first that's how good this guy is yeah he's good and he's he's got a lot of projects and he gives back to filmmakers in tennessee and we'll get more into that but keith let me ask you this you know you have really had a wide kind of spanning career in filmmaking and i guess the question that comes up because you know, I, I love filmmaking. I love watching films. I love making films. I love just talking about films. Just tell me a little bit about what makes you tick when it comes to film. Why do you love what you do so much? You know, uh, it, it's a pleasure for me to be here with you guys mm-hmm. today. Um, I think we have to kind of go back a little bit uh, to talk about my, my filmmaking career. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I didn't become a filmmaker until I was about 40. Mm. Um I grew up in Kingston in Roan County. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, dad worked at the steam plant in Kingston. I grew up there. Um, uh, I, you know, I was I was a musician. I was a singer in high school at, at church, and uh, my uh, my minister of music when I was a senior in high school, he says, "I'm driving you to Nashville." He says, We're, "You're going to audition for a group uh, at Belmont College." Wow. Which is now was Belmont it New Unit. Edition? No, it was called kidding. it was called the Belmont Reasons. <laughs> the Belmont and, uh, Reasons. To me, they had been to our church, and they were like, I mean, they were like rock stars. Sure. Uh, they really were. So I went to Belmont and uh, auditioned, and uh, eventually, um, my freshman year of college, uh, I got Did you a go to slot. Carson Newman. Uh, I ended up at Carson Newman, oh, but I started okay. at Belmont because I got in the Belmont Reasons. Right. I was oh, uh, wow. on scholarship singing. So I was, started, I was studying music business, um, 
But I, you know, I was I was 17 when I graduated high school. I'd never been anywhere. So when I moved to Nashville, it was kind of the big city was a little too much for me. So I was there a couple of years, and then I decided to come back. I came back and and started doing some theater um, at Rome State, and uh, was really loved doing live performances and live productions and. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. You know, mm-hmm. to be quiet, for you know, almost forty years now, I've been doing plays um, with the play with the Oak Ridge. Well, I've Playhouse. done lots of things with the Oak Ridge Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I eventually ended up at Carson Newman mm-hmm. and finished my degree in communications mm-hmm. um, uh, with a theater m- major. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> for the next you know decade or so, I, I was I was in communications. I worked in radio. I was a newspaper writer. When uh, desktop com- computers came along in the mid to late 80s, I kind of took to it, and I, so I, I did graphic design. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I ended up working for a company in Kingston that was an uh, uh, education company doing all of their media, video, things such as that. I had done some video work before. Mm-hmm. Um, I had actually I had, had written for the Sunday School Board, the Baptist Sunday School Board in Nashville, for about four years, uh, they had a educational television network, mm-hmm. and I did about a hundred scripts for them. Wow. Um, and so, but I'd never really made a film. So mm-hmm. I was working for this company in Kingston, and, and uh, my boss came to me and said, "I want you to do a documentary, a historical documentary about Rome County, where we, he and I both grew up." Mm-hmm. And I said, first of all, I don't know anything about." making documentaries. I, I know I like Ken Burns movies and I've seen a lot of them, but, um, <clears throat> he said, that's okay. He said, uh, let's, let's give this a try. So I did, I did a documentary, my very first documentary called stories of our heritage, a history of Rome County, Tennessee. And we crammed 200 years into 60 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and as I look back on it now, it was just horrible. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was not very good. The worst I, film credit is the director. I, I didn't know what I was doing, but you know, to, even today, people love that film. Yeah. But I didn't, I really didn't know what I was doing, <clears throat> and kind of fumbling my way through. But, um, but I fell in love with the process. I just fell in love with the process of telling stories, mm-hmm. and specifically stories about history, mm-hmm. uh, stories about our region. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, had, had not been married very long um, at this time. I was about to turn 40. I had just bought a house. Um, my, my wife uh, was pregnant with our first child, and I came home and said, Honey, I think I've decided to become a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, she didn't kick me out. <laughs> and uh, she, she and I actually met at the Oak Ridge Playhouse. So, you know, we were both theater folk and artistic mm-hmm. types. So she understood. Yeah. So that's kind of where it all began. It, well, really, it really did. Uh, uh, this was, gosh, 17, 18 years ago yeah. when I decided to, to become a documentary When you're director. singing, for instance, you know, you're also telling your own story through mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm. You know, and when certainly when you're acting, you're trying to act out what you your perspective of what the character is trying to say. Mm-hmm. And so when you listen to a song or you watch a film or you watch a play, each piece of the puzzle is acting out their own story within themselves. Filmmaking, in my mind, is taking that to the next level. And you're really telling the story through other people's eyes. 
and and that's what I've always said to to young filmmakers, to aspiring filmmakers, or people who ask, you know, all the experiences that I had leading up to that mm. point as a performer, as a singer, you know, as an actor, uh, as a graphic designer, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things, and as a writer, mm. all of those things help me. I, I can use all those those skills in filmmaking, you know. Uh, Graphic design is about composition, you know, so I learned composition. Um, um, you know, acting and, and performing is about pacing. You learn how to, to tell a story through pacing. Mm. And uh, so those, all those things I use in, in filmmaking. So, but, I, but one of the things I noticed, like in the Clinton 12 mm-hmm. and uh, the promo for your, your newest project, is that it seems like you, you pull all this information out of the, uh, <coughs> the people that were eyewitnesses. They were mm-hmm. there at the time. Right. And they're talking about it. Do you just, like, turn the camera on and say, just start talking? Or do you script it out? Do you have an idea of what they're going to be saying? No, typically what I do is when I... The first thing when I'm when I'm working on a documentary and the the things that I do typically are historical documentaries. I've just happened to do a lot of them about things that have happened in East Tennessee, or people like the, the, my new film. Um, I'll start doing research before I interview anyone to make sure that I have a basic understanding of the topic, uh, of the subject. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the research just comes from talking to people. You're absolutely right. Talking to people who lived it, who were there, who know something about it more than I do. And we just, when I do an interview, I just, it's very conversational. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I usually have a general idea of what that person brings to the table as far as knowledge about the subject, but it's very conversational. We just talk, you know, and I ask them questions and their answer may lead to something else. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's the, the style of interview that I do for all of these films. And then I'm able to take those tidbits, those sound bites from those interviews and pull them out and then put it all together in a mm-hmm. script. Um, so, so before I start editing anything, I have a written script completely written with the narration, with the sound bites. And, uh, it just saves a whole lot of time in editing cause I have a, sure. a pa- what I call a paper edit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, so that's kind of the process that I go through. Well, and also when you are taking on a project like this latest film that we'll be talking about in the next segment with mm-hmm. the uh, life of Alvin Weinberg, the mm-hmm. the famous ORNL uh, leader, you really have to do your homework about who you need to interview. So it's you know people see the finished project and they say, oh, this is incredible, very informative, but they don't know what behind the scenes you had to do, which was to research this individual, find right. the people, the players that would be interesting to tell the story. You know, and I, I learned that early on, and I learned early on that there are people a lot smarter than me in the room. So. With every major project that I've ever done, I've put together a committee or a group of advisors who know more about it than I do, mm-hmm. who could suggest, for example, um, you know, when I, when I did my first big documentary, which is Secret City, the Oak Ridge Story, it's about mm-hmm. the role, excuse me, <coughs> the role of Oak Ridge during the Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. I put together an advisory committee, film. and they said, you know, because these are the people you really ought to interview for this. So mm. for those, and I did two two films on Oak Ridge history, uh, uh, that one and then a sequel. And I interviewed over 100 people for those two films. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so it was, you know, 
there are there are there are ways to find the right people to interview. Obviously, the Clinton Twelve. I needed to interview the Clinton Twelve. You know, right. there were there were eleven of them still living, uh, and then there were some other folks that were involved in that story that I needed to interview. And working with the committee once mm-hmm. again, that was producing that, that hired me to do that film. You know, they knew who I needed to interview. Uh, that one was a little bit different because I only had nine months to make that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, you know, it can take anywhere from a year and a half to two years to to make a feature film, yeah. a documentary. Uh, but uh, but that one was so they they knew who everybody was and where they were. Right, which and when, was good. When you're researching a big project, Clinton Twelve as an mm-hmm. example, it it. Clinton 12, people from Clinton, for instance, and even Oak Ridge in the, in the general mm-hmm. area, there was so much emotion as a result of that whole in- incident, that right. whole event. And, you know, people still probably still had scars and have scars. And so how are you sensitive? How do you approach people when, when you are beginning that process? And we only have one minute less in this segment, but we'll try to catch that on the back end as well. But tell me just a couple of thoughts on that. When I did the, specifically about the Clinton 12, <clears throat> there was, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a two perspectives that I thought were important. Mm. There was a black perspective mm-hmm. and there was a white perspective of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I found in making the film and even after the film was finished, that there still is a black perspective and a white perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can go into more detail about that in a few minutes yeah, if you want me to. But, uh, but it, that was a real interesting project. And, and to be honest, it's kind of been the biggest project of my career sure. as Absolutely. far as distribution goes. Oh, I would, have, I would only imagine that is true. Well, we have uh, in studio with us Keith McDaniel. Uh, we're talking about a lot of things, filmmaking in Tennessee, also his, uh, his career, which has been incredible with all of the documentaries that he's done, a couple of big ones, Secret City uh, movie and also the Clinton 12. And we're talking in the next segment about his newest one with the documentary about Alvin Weinberg's life. Come back after these messages. We'll be right back. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into The Housing Hour. Kevin Ray again here, and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, and Keith McDaniel, filmmaker here in Tennessee. And um, he just recently, I guess in 2013, maybe your first year with 2014, with your new Knoxville Film Festival. Um, And I think that uh, the festival this year, September 17th through the 20th, you can find out more information about that at KnoxvilleFilmFestival.com. Is it too late to enter movies in at this point? No, we're, we're still accepting submissions uh, now through FilmFreeway.com okay. Okay. Uh, for our film festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, close to 200 films submitted from all around the world wow. so far this year. Oh, that's um, awesome. And uh, so it's very exciting. This will be our this will be my thirteenth year with the film festival. Mm-hmm. It's only our third year with the Knoxville Film okay. Festival. Uh, I, I started the Secret City Film Festival in two thousand and three, um, and uh, after nine or ten years with that, uh, I was approached by the Dogwood Arts folks. Mm-hmm. They were thinking about adding a film component to all the things that they do. Right. Um, they they produce fifteen events a year. Right. Um, and uh, so they were recommended that uh, they should get with me, and we worked out uh, 
a partnership and changed the name to the Knoxville Film Festival. That's so a brilliant. It's marriage. really it's really grown. Uh, they they're you know they're a management and marketing machine. Mm-hmm. I mean you know they do all that kind of stuff. Website looks great. Yeah, and and so that really frees me up to concentrate on the artistic aspects of the film festival, mm-hmm. finding the right films and putting the program together, things such as that. Working on workshops, so it's a yeah. it's a great event. We we uh, four days in September, and you know we show films from all over the world and and uh, have a big local contingent mm-hmm. of filmmakers who participate with us. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's great. Well, I, I enjoyed having my film. I had a film from Nicaragua that was mm-hmm. in your film festival the last year you did it, I believe, yep. actually. Yep. And it was just a, a wonderful experience, somebody like myself getting to have that opportunity. It was really cool. It was in the um, Playhouse in, in Oak Ridge. Yeah, when we did it. Yeah, yeah. It was really neat. We used to have it at the Playhouse. I still Ridge. have my picture with you with my little <laughs> name badge and all that. Um, it was really cool. Well, let's, um, let's unpack the Clinton 12 a little bit more before we get into your latest project. Mm-hmm. And the Clinton 12, you know, the incident that occurred, you know, we had in Clinton at the time, you know, a huge presence of i guess it was national guard be as a result of this so the emotions were high Mm -hmm. and you talked about the two perspectives and speak a little bit more about your experience making that film you know the the clinton the clinton 12 story basically what happened was in um, 1956 clinton high school was the first public high school in the South to be integrated as a result of Brown versus the Board of Education mm-hmm. decision from the Supreme Court. They had a lawsuit uh, because those those uh, black students in Clinton had to go to Knoxville, mm-hmm. to Austin High School, mm-hmm. uh, which was a black school, uh, every day riding the bus. And uh, they and lived... they had a high school two they, miles 200, 200 yards 200 from yards. Their, where most of them lived was the high school. So, uh, so they had filed a lawsuit. Uh, some community members had filed a lawsuit saying that they should be able to go to that school. Uh-huh. It was uh, it was in federal appeals court in Cincinnati, uh-huh. and the judge said, uh, "We're about to get a decision from the Supreme Court on that very type of thing, so let's wait." So, as soon as that decision came down, uh, the judge in Knoxville, the federal judge in Knoxville, said. Uh, uh, Clinton High School will be integrated this fall, which was the fall of 1956. Everything was fine. The town ex- accepted it. They said, you know, we are, you know, mm-hmm. peace-abiding, law-abiding citizens, and, um, you know, we may not agree with it, but that's the law of the land, so we're going to do everything we can to make this smooth. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally speaking, the town was uh, very supportive. And then uh, a, a kind of a troublemaker, rabble-rouser, came to town, stirred everything up, and... It ended up with riots on the streets of Clinton. Uh, the National Guard was called in. Um, you know, uh, people think a lot of people think that was when the high school was bombed. Well, it wasn't. It was like a year and a half later mm. that Clinton High School was bombed, and uh, really kind of as a as a residual result of of like an of aftershock. That. Yeah, basically. yeah, exactly. Um, a lot, what a lot of people don't know is that Billy Graham came and did a crusade there in the high school gymnasium, which was about the only standing wow. uh, building left mm-hmm. of the high school. So, uh, so it, was, it was an interesting perspective. I will say this before we get into something else. When I went to interview the folks, the original Clinton 12 members, 11 of them were still living. Mm-hmm. I interviewed all 11 of them. Many of them had never told their children. Many of their families knew nothing about what they went through. Mm-hmm. The, the scars were still there after 50 years. You could mm-hmm. see it in their eyes and feel it in their voice. Mm. Um, uh, many of them didn't want to be interviewed. 
and uh, I was able to persuade them to at least talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it Did was they all a, go it on was camera. A, it, yes, mm-hmm. yes, it was a devastating event, and you've got to remember, they were 15, 14, 16 mm-hmm. years old when this happened, mm-hmm. and they were in the middle of this storm. Uh, so it was a it was a wonderful experience. I'm glad that the film turned out the way that it did. It's been broadcast nationally and around the world, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So uh, so I'm very pleased to be able to be the person who helped tell their story. And one of the twelve was sitting on their front porch when President Obama came through and went through Clinton to the uh, manufacturing site where he oh, had a right? meeting. Sat wow. on there and was interviewed. She said, "I'm just waiting for him to pull off and talk to me." <laughs> wow, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Well, that, I would encourage people to go uh, search that film out. It is really well done and extremely uh, important event and uh, events that happened in our country's history. Well, let's move on. And we have um, a new documentary that you've done uh, on Alvin Weinberg coming up uh, on April 23rd is when uh, the premiere is, Thursday, April 23rd. And this film is really about the former Oak Ridge National Laboratory director, Alvin Weinberg. And... What a project that you took on. Why don't we do this? We're going to play a little clip from the trailer, and then we'll start talking about it. Great. He's what I call the ideal kind of of scientific leader. He had a combination of uh, sound judgment, uh, enough technical expertise to understand what was important and what wasn't important. He says we must find time for the important things. He probably entertained more Nobel Prize winners and more prominent people of science. Alvin Weinberg, I mean, the story of Alvin Weinberg, people may not know how kind of important he was and he could have went anywhere in the world and done anything with his life. I mean, this, this gentleman was a genius and you had the opportunity to make a film with, um, I guess, in conjunction with the American Museum of Science and Energy. Talk now, about that a little bit. Actually, so, we're, we're screening it at the uh, American Museum of Science and Energy. But you had the, a partner in this, right? The, the uh, Alvin Weinberg uh, died in 2000. I can't remember right off the top of my head. I think 2006. 2006. Yeah. He died in 2006. Um, he, uh, at the age of 91, he, um, uh, and, and he was so well-known in the community, especially in the scientific community, and he made such contributions to science internationally uh, throughout his life and his career that uh, some of his former uh, employees and, and friends wanted to do something to honor him and to tell his story and to honor his legacy. Mm-hmm. So they came up with several things that they were going to do. And one of the things was to make a documentary film. They approached me about making uh, telling his story. So they formed the Alvin Weinberg Memorial Committee okay. uh, to okay. produce to produce this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, you know, the biggest part of it was raising the funds to be able to do all the things that they wanted to do. And um, so uh, so we knew that uh, it was going to take a little while, so we worked on it. And I had interviewed folks. I started interviewing folks and researching about his life. And uh, so uh, we, we, we finished this film. Uh, April 20th, which is next week, hmm. would have been Alvin's 100th birthday. Wow. So we decided That's it was wonderful. very appropriate to have the screening of his, his biography mm-hmm. uh, the, the week of his 100th birthday. That's and um, so, uh, so it, was a, it was a fascinating project, and he's, an, he's a fascinating man. Well, I can't wait in the next segment to talk a little bit more about it mm-hmm. because people in Oak Ridge in this area, you know, this gentleman 
had quite the recognition amongst his scientist colleagues. He was not your average um, scientist, if you will. Absolutely. A, a gentleman from Chicago, Illinois, who <clears throat> lived his better part of his life in Oak Ridge mm -hmm. and in fact died in Oak Ridge. Yes. So let's talk more about that. We're again with Keith McDaniel, filmmaker, here with us in studio. We'll be right back after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back in to the Housing Hour. Again, my name is Kevin Ray here with Mark Griffith and in studio Keith McDaniel, filmmaker, documentary, historical films. Um, really a great guy. Appreciate him spending the time with us and coming out here to studio with us. And he has a pretty big week ahead of him um, here very soon, April 23rd, at the American Museum of Science and Energy in Oak Ridge. They'll be premiering the life story of Alan Weinberg. And um, Keith was talking in the previous segment about uh, how some friends, basically the Memorial Committee in partnership with Capital Mark and Crossland Southeast, I suppose, is, is part of the... They are, they, they, are, they, are, they are sponsoring our premiere. They, mm -hmm. are, they are hosting our premiere for us. Okay. Uh, we, you know, we, we received a lot of funding from, uh, from the community. I mean, you know, everybody came out. We had just to raise money, and it's hard to raise money. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, so... Tell so, me about it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, we had, we had you know, lots of people... Lots of individuals donate, mm -hmm. uh, but specifically the people who, you know, really stepped up as far as organizations, stepped up to the plate to really want to make sure that this thing happened was uh, UT Patel, who, you know, oh, runs wow. the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ORAU, Oak Ridge Associated Universities, TVA, um, the American Nuclear Society, which Alvin was the very first president of. Uh, and one of the founders, mm -hmm. and the friends of ORNL, which is a kind of a retirement group organization, mm -hmm. uh, people that used to work at ORNL. But uh, but you know we we produce the film. We're just so we make sure we get this information out. Mm -hmm. We're having a premiere April the twenty third, which is next Thursday, which mm -hmm. is Thursday mm -hmm. at uh, the American Museum of Science and Energy. We're having mm -hmm. two screenings: one at six thirty, which is already completely full, mm, and we're having great. another screening at eight p.m which is about half full. Mm -hmm. um, how long is the film? It's, a, it's an hour. An hour? You know, okay. it, it could have been a lot longer, but I, did, I wanted it to be accessible. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to, um, I wanted it to uh, be something that could be shown in the classroom, mm -hmm. that could be, you know, air on public television, you know, those, those kinds of things. Uh, so, so I designed it to be an hour. Um, I interviewed a number of folks uh, uh, that new album that were that were friends of his that were employees of his mm -hmm. um, his son Richard Weinberg who's a scientist and a respected scientist uh, you know himself in North Carolina he came in and it was I didn't know what to expect because uh, apparently uh, Richard as many fathers and sons do you know they loved each other but I think they kind of had a contentious relationship right. you know at some point but Richard was very open and honest and and really shed a lot of light on his dad as a person. Wow. And that's what I wanted to do, is I wanted to not only talk about Alvin's professional accomplishments, and some of those are, you know, 
he received like 27 honorary degrees. Mm. He was advisors to presidents and world leaders. He, you know, a science advisor. You know, he, he came up with the phrases big science. And, you know, and he called nuclear science a Faustian bargain. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, he's the guy who, you know, he's one of the guys who said, you know, I think if we didn't enrich that uranium quite so much, we could use it to generate power. <laughs> so, you know, he's the one who trained, basically trained uh, Hyman Rickover, who's, na- who's the, the father of the nuclear navy, you know. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Rickover came to Oak Ridge to get his nuclear training. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, so it's an amazing story about his professional career, but it's also an amazing story about his personal life. Mm. You know, he loved to play the piano, mm. and he was very good. And he played even in his older age. In his older years, he he he, you know, and he he was a, uh, you know, he played tennis. He was a big tennis player. And as his son Richard said, he wasn't all that good, <laughs> but he wasn't bad. You know, so 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 anyway, it was a, it was an amazing story to delve into his life, both personally and professionally. I did interview Alvin two years before he died. Mm -hmm. I chose not to use any live footage of Alvin in the film. Mm -hmm. It's all photos and film footage and narration. Uh, I I do need to say my narrator for the film is Matt Mm Schaefer-Powell, who is the... uh, who's an Oak Ridger, but mm-hmm. he's also the news director at WUOT in Knoxville. That's and he was cool. wonderful. That's awesome. Um, and uh, we, I wanted to use as many local people as sure, possible, but, uh, but it was an, it was an interesting, um, it was an interesting process. I, I finally finished the film and showed it to the committee a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they had never seen any of it. I wouldn't let them yeah. see any of it until it was finished. And I didn't know what to expect. Uh. There's um, a reward for you. Know, you know, they had read the script, of course. Right. But, you know, they were, some of them that were wiping tears from their eyes wow. and because they knew Alvin and he was a friend. Sure. And, uh, you know, when it was over, they said, you know, it was wonderful. You wow. really captured his essence, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and that, that was, that's nice to hear. That, that is all of the hard work that you put into it, the sweat, the, the tears, whatever, the, the mm-hmm. blood. Yeah. I mean, when you get to see the people who has have asked you to make this film, mm-hmm. when you see that's the reward right there. That's, when they when they get up after it's over and stick out their hand and, right. and give you a heartfelt thank you. Yeah. That's that's important. You know, and we want I wanted to do the premiere for them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a big event, mm-hmm. you know, for the community and for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done that before and it's sure. all very exciting, but yeah. you know, it's not like that's the first time right. I've done this that. This isn't your first you know? rodeo. <laughs> yeah, right. so so but I really wanted it to be for them and and the and the response like I said has been tremendous as far as it's going to be a great and it's a great great place to view a film i think that will be awesome in that venue it'll be it'll be yeah with all of i mean hopefully maybe people could get there early and even go through the museum yeah we've got a we actually have a reception starting at five o'clock okay and uh uh you know so it's we're gonna have a cake and you know punch Mm -hmm. and cookies and and uh, yeah, and the museum area downstairs will be open. You, you can know, put, you people. can make your hair stand up yeah, for yeah. those who well, have. It. I don't know if they'll have that or not. <laughs> yeah, well, for those who have hair. But anyway, um, well, let me ask you real quick because we sure. only have about four minutes left. Okay, sure. Um, when he became the ORNL director, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of people that passed on that job, to my understanding. Right. And well, he, and he was he, he took the job. He came with uh, Eugene Wigner, mm-hmm. and Eugene Wigner was a Nobel prize-winning physicist. And Eugene came when, when, when Alvin was working at the Metallurgical Laboratory in Chicago, in the University of Chicago. 
uh, Eugene Wigner came there, and they became very close friends. And really, Eugene was his mentor, and mm. they stayed close friends throughout the rest of their lives. Mm. When Eugene came, and, it, and I talk about it in the film, when Eugene came uh, to Oak Ridge, you know, to to run Clinton Laboratories, basically mm-hmm. the lab, right. um, it was, you know, there was no question that Alvin would come with him. He right. automatically did. And, uh, and Alvin eventually, Alvin was the research director, associate director, and then eventually the director of the Oak Ridge National Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got fired. Wow. He was fired from his job as director of the Oak Ridge National Lab, and we talk about that. Mm-hmm. We talk about what he did after that mm-hmm. and why he got fired. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. it's all very interesting. I can't wait to see. <laughs> well, and another interesting thing that I thought when I was listening to your trailer mm-hmm. um, was that he possessed a talent that not many have, which is getting right to the heart of the question that needs to be asked because these scientists would be very nervous to present in front of Alvin. Mm-hmm. Now, I may have read this. I can't remember if it was right. in the trailer. But you make it clear, and I think the people who are interviewed made it clear, that it was a real honor to have a question that really went to the heart because they needed that exactly. type of feedback. He was a... Uh, apparently, he was an outstanding scientific administrator. Mm-hmm. He knew how to manage people. He knew how to get things done. And, he, and, and at the same time, he had this incredible vision for the future and a, and a really incredible concern about our future mm. and future generations. Mm. Um, you know, he was one of the first people that brought up nuclear reactor safety, mm. and that got him in trouble in Washington. Mm. And this was before Three Mile Island. So, wow. I mean, you know, he, he was really one of the first. He was also one of the first people who who studied global warming and climate change. Mm-hmm. And much of the work that's being done today was based on his research. Yeah. So, uh, as his son said, hmm. who's his son's probably in his 60s or maybe even close to 70, you know, now he said, you know, I remember him doing, you know, talking about that. And he Mm -hmm. said, you know, that's a big deal now. He said, I was hearing about it when I was 16. Right. You know, so, so he's been, so he had a real, a real eye for things that were going to be important in the future. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it's, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing story about an amazing man. Mm -hmm. And I'm very proud to be able to be the one that tells his story. And uh, we're, it's, it's going to be a great event next Thursday. Well, that's great. And I think that the scientific community, unfortunately, or fortunately, maybe they don't want the the notoriety, Mm -hmm. but those brilliant people who who really made our future. Even we've talked about this with 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 Dr. Simpson as well, a fellow out at the the laboratories. I think right. That's right. And you know, it's they're they're underappreciated in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because the technology that that we have today is a result of a lot of the research that the scientific community performed years ago. And I think he said three quarters of our GDP are made up of what the our you know the, the research and development has revealed so keith is doing his part in giving back and opening the door to this wonderfully interesting world that is the scientific community and some of their leaders we have a few minutes left with keith mcdaniel here on the housing hour we'll be right back after these messages The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Oh, 
Welcome back into the Housing Hour. We're here in our last segment with Keith McDaniel. Um, we have uh, him in studio with us, and we've been talking about a lot of different things about his uh, documentary that he's just released, getting ready to release, a world premiere coming up on April 23rd uh, on Alvin Weinberg, the famous ORNL director. And we talked about the Clinton 12. He's also done a documentary about the Secret City. Um, he's done many other projects as well. Where might people be able to find out more about things that you do and, and be able to explore things uh, that Keith does? You know, one of the worst things that I do is, <laughs> is social media. Here's the credit coming you know, again. I used, to, I used to have a website, <laughs> yeah. but I don't anymore. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, I looked you up on Wikipedia, and did, I oh, did, did find you? some information. Oh, gosh. Roan don't, County High don't School. Don't believe any, everything you, you, you read on yeah. Wikipedia. Um, it wasn't you know, approved. It even said Right, that. exactly. <laughs> the, you know, it, most of to be honest, the films that I do, I'm hired to do them, mm -hmm. so I don't own them. Right. So once the project is done, it's, done. it's an organization or a you know or a government entity or somebody else like that that kind of has control over sure. it, over those. So I don't I don't really do those. So, but my films are kind of out and about, and mm -hmm. you know if 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 someone is really interested and wants to see some of my films, and I've done about a dozen mm -hmm. you know documentaries, mm -hmm. um, they are welcome to email me. Mm -hmm at Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at KnoxvilleFilmFestival.com. This is old that, school right here. That is my personal email. <laughs> yeah. Or they can they can find me on Facebook. Right. You know, yep. I have a Facebook page. So, and, and just send me a message and say, hey, uh, and I've had people do that before when I've Absolutely. done interviews. You know, and uh, I'll try to dig up a DVD out of the closet and let you, you right. know, and, and give it to you. And will you, you be making, in. once the premiere happens, will you be making this this CD available, a DVD rather? We, we have, we have, uh, we decided to do something a little different this time. Um we are going to, the the night of the of the premiere. We will have Blu-ray versions of the of the film available. Mm -hmm. What we're doing is we're doing a Blu-ray digital HD combo, mm -hmm. which means there'll be a Blu-ray DVD mm -hmm. that will play in Blu-ray players, mm -hmm. uh, and there will be a digital HD which has a QuickTime file on it that people can watch nice. on their computer. The reason I decided to do Blu-ray instead of regular DVD is you shoot in high definition. You know, you edit in high definition. Most everybody has a high definition television now. And if you put it on regular DVD, it kind of goes down in quality. It yes. doesn't look very good. I said, I'm not going to do that. This is good too good of a you. story. So it was a little more trouble, That's okay. a little more expensive. But we decided to do a, a Blu-ray. Uh, and uh, so they will be available um, and and we'll let people know. We I, mm -hmm. we're not sure how that will happen yet. But Absolutely. I know the night of the premiere. Uh, you know the premiere is free for folks as long as they make reservations. Mm -hmm. um, and you can find that information on my Facebook page, mm -hmm. um, Keith McDaniel. Mm -hmm. And also uh, there's on, another Keith on, McDaniel in, in Oak in Knoxville. Right. Uh, that's not me. Right. He's a big softball player. Is he? I'm not a big softball player. <laughs> well, if you go to thehousinghour.com, we'll also yeah. have your information right. as well about where to we go. We will maintain How, a website. That, that, that will be great. That will be great. <laughs> and and for those of you that are interested in get, picking up one of the Blu-rays, you can also, we'll have more information on that. We'll post that on our Facebook page so that you can find out where you can get a copy. And we will, have, very yeah, we will have these for sale for $20 the night at the premiere. That's great. You know, so... Uh, uh, 
Anyway. And, you know, we are evolving, really, when it comes to how we view things. And you would be the first to probably acknowledge that. And you're trying to evolve with it, you know, nowadays. Because, honestly, Vimeo, you can see a lot of artistic filmmaking on Vimeo. Uh, and which also reminds me, if you want to see some interviews that Keith has done for the Tennessee Filmmaker series that you have um, completed, mm-hmm. you can just um, Google Keith McDaniel. Oak Ridge is the way I found it, and your right. Vimeo channel is right there. And we will have this this film on Vimeo. Okay, awesome. And you can watch point. that in HD. At, abso- absolutely. You have to click that button that says yep. HD. <laughs> you do. you, <laughs> you got to remember that. It's been a real pleasure to have Keith McDaniel here today with us. Please uh, go out and try to find more information about him. We'd love for you to participate in this premiere that's coming up. The 630 showing is all sold out, right? Completely sold out. And so you need to get in now and get your reservation. And thanks again to Mark and Dave. We will see you guys next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.